Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's Friday. It is the last... Oh, No, go ahead. It's the last UFC event of 2020. What a year it's been. Oh, yes. Very true. It's the end of an era for us. The end of our debut year. Yeah. And what better way to go out here? Oh, with one of the best fight nights of all time. No cap. Yes. Just when we thought Woodley Covington, well, probably still is the best all time. Yeah. But this is a close second. This really, I mean, literally just, it's so crazy to think that just a couple weeks ago, we had a, a main event that got completely scrapped from this card. Yeah. And you can't even tell. If that main event stayed on, on paper, this is probably the best fight night of all yeah, time. Yeah, I would say so. But it still comes down to the octagon, like you always say, but... Yeah. We're oh, in store for an incredible fight night here. And as you all know, Friday, that means we're previewing our fight card for Saturday night. Hashtag UFC Vegas 17. Headlined by two guys in who've been on very different career paths so far. Yeah, yeah. You start in the red corner, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's fought for the belt multiple times. He's headlined multiple fight nights, multiple pay-per-views. And then on the blue corner, you have the up-and-comer Jeff Neal, who has been running through a lot of these popular names that are good, you know, the Mike Perrys, the Nico Prices, guys like that. But he's looking to take that next step in his development. He's ranked 11th right now. He gets his first headlining spot. It's a big step up in competition, but it's that opportunity he's been wanting. It's deserved, too. And I agree. It is deserved. So, we're going to be breaking down seven fights, Seven correct? fights. Seven fights in this episode. We'll do that here in a little bit. We do have just the, just a smidge, just a, just little, a little pinch of what we like to call the news. The news. Let's get right into it. Right mm-hmm. now. Here we go. Here, here, here. So, what we were hoping to start this episode by doing is recapping Kayla Harrison's fight at Titan FC 66. This is true. This was going to be her second time fighting in 2020 however dom yes 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 this fight has fallen out now normally if the fight just fell out you know this kayla harrison's a big deal but like we may not really address it we might just kind of sweep it under the rug move on bigger better things whatever but i have to talk about it for one reason yeah this is wild stat her opponent josette cotton uh, was not able to make weight for this contest. Now, they were fighting at, I believe, 155 pounds, yep. light, women's lightweight. Kayla seemed to be fi- able to make it, I'm assuming. Uh, Josette Cotton had to pull out because she could not make weight. She couldn't get under 180 pounds. Yeah, 25 pounds over the limit. This woman was trying to fight as a woman's middleweight. Yeah. Thoughts? Um... I don't really know. Again, this fight was accepted on very short notice. So for Cotton, it was like, oh, hats off to you. I wouldn't accept a fight with Kayla Harrison on short notice. For Kayla, she just wanted to fight again, whether it was a rematch or not. In this instance, it was. Did Cotton kind of just take this match thinking the weight cut was going to be easier? Did she never really intend to fight but wanted to take the fight? Um did the weight cut really even start, or does she just weigh 180 and just knew she wasn't going to make it to 155? This is something I thought of, too. There's a lot of questions here. I, I That was kind of my first thought after the the headline settled yeah. in a little bit, because that headline's a bit, bit it pops. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
However, I could totally see, like, she tried to start the weight cut, and it was, like, immediately she was having yeah. problems. Yeah. And they were just like, now we're just gonna... Play it safe. Yeah. I mean, she's already fought Kayla once, and... Didn't go well for her. And she has to... And I'm sure she understood that in order for her to... Uh, who knows? You know, people, fight, a fighter's confidence goes a long way, and I'm sure she's confident. But she probably had to... Her or her coaches or whatever probably had to believe that they needed things to go pretty perfect in this oh, yeah. lead up for her to have a chance here. You don't want to fight a girl like Kayla Harrison on not 100%. And you're struggling to get under 180 when you have 25 more pounds after yeah. that to cut. I mean, it's probably a smart decision. Well, it is a smart decision. Like, don't risk your yeah. personal health. So, it's unfortunate for Kayla. I'm assuming they're going to try to just get her to start 2021 with something. Well, and I wonder how soon into 2021 the PFL plans to start. They haven't, they haven't. They've been signing all these fighters and things, but they have not made any real official plans yet. No, so that'll be interesting. Because yeah. this was what? Titan FC? Titan FC. Before this, she fought in Invicta, the featherweight right. debut for her. So it'll be interesting what they do. But she's ready to fight, clearly. I could see her getting another fight in another smaller promotion. Because um, I imagine the PFL, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a little bit yeah. later into 2021 before we start getting into if they actually do it next year i'd love to try out an invicta one more time one more featherweight i think it depends on what promotions are putting on fights i don't Mm. know how frequently invicta's been putting on fights that's kind of just me not being as aware of the smaller promotions right now but um hopefully she gets right in there in like january february and then we'll see what happens to her after that right our other bit of news here yeah just to be clear no no fight announcements oh yeah um This week has been very much a dud when it comes to news, but I think... It's a slow burn. Yeah, I think we're... This is the calm before the storm right now. We're we're in... This is not maybe the best place to be putting... (laughs) Saying this in here, but... You guys gotta think that, like... Even though this is unfortunate, and I don't want to act like it's a positive, but... As far as for news, you've got 60 fighters that are about to be cut before the end of the year, apparently. You've got these cards in January that have to be filled out. The McGregor, uh, the McGregor Poirier card still needs a co-main. You got these fight nights that still need stacked up. They still haven't officially announced Hamza and Leon. Is it officially on Fight Island? If so, is it going to be at Fight Island specifically, or at the new arena? Are there going to be people there? Are there going to be pool parties and alcohol and all <laughs> yeah. this crazy shit? And then February is right around the corner, and we're starting boom right into the year. Are they still going to do stuff in Vegas with all the things going yeah. on in the United States? And right. There's a lot coming. There's a lot going on. Yeah. So and there are very big fights, by the way, that need made. Yeah. So I think right now we're in that calm before the storm. Dana's on vacation. When he gets back, I think you're going to be seeing just yeah. bombs left and right. Dana bombs. Yeah. But we do have one more piece of news because Dana did do a pretty big interview. Yeah, and I got a big question mark on my face. Uh, for BT this. Sports. Yes. Yep. UFC on BT Sports. It's about a 21 minute interview. A great interview. It was very good. Um. Do you remember the name of the uh, of the lady who conducted Candice was her first name? Okay, I, think? I feel bad for not remembering because she did a great job. Yeah, yeah it was good. Uh, she was great at it, and she did a really good job of like kind of. Dana is not someone who likes to to give a lot away. Yeah, <laughs> you know they they always in these post fight interviews and in the lead up they'll be trying to ask him all these questions about potential fights, and he's always like, "Oh, I'm not looking past." this week or this year or whatever she did a really good job of kind of leading them in the direction to 
where he was basically like, just say yes or no, is this fight happening? Yeah, exactly. And oh, he, Carolyn Pierce. Carolyn Pierce? Yes, okay, yeah. so I'm glad we give... Shout out to you, you top-notch yes, interviewer. Yes, Carolyn Pierce. There was one big takeaway, I think, here. Um, at least in my eyes. There was a lot you could take away from it. I mean, he, he, he definitely... There was some nice... Uh, a lot of fight talk. Yeah, like which is what's good. coming. Yeah, and one, the thing that I think had the majority of MMA Twitter talking. Oh, it, it, there it has got been some a, traction. there has been a planned fight for women's strawweight. You know, we haven't seen Whaley since that absolute war she had with Joanna back in March. March. Haven't seen her since, oh. understandably. Yes, true. But the whole time, the plan was for either the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, you get her versus Rose Namajunas. Rose coming off that big win, kind of redeeming her previous mm-hmm. loss of her title when she beat Andrade. So that was the fight that made sense. It was a great fight on paper. Dana said, though, that um, he had been hearing that Rose didn't want the title fight. Yeah. And that, well... And the interviewer, uh, Carolyn Pierce, is that, that, was that yep. correct? she goes, and she touched on a point that has been brought up before where Rose has mentioned in the past that um, this idea that when she lost the belt, it was like a relief. And mm-hmm. then, Weight you know, off your shoulders. He, and she even mentioned retirement and things like that. So it's kind of that almost, oh, does she have one foot out the door kind of thing? Is she really mentally, is she really all there uh, as far as being in the fight game? Um, and he basically went on to say that rankings wise, it would make sense to put Whaley with Carla Esparza. Yeah, he said the way the division was broken down right now and who's available, that was the next up. Yeah, if it's not Rose. Yeah, and people kind of people kind of freaked out a little bit. Yes, and one of the reasons for that is uh, Rose's coach and also her fiance, fiance Pat Barry, former UFC heavyweight. Yes, he went on Twitter and said that this was absolutely not true. Yeah. And that if there was any confusion, at the, UFC, yeah, the UFC could reach out. Um, what are your thoughts here, Dom? Because a lot of people were definitely antagonizing uh, Dana in this situation, and I, I, I can't say that I blame them. Yeah, but it didn't come off to me like he was. He wasn't hundred percent confident. It seems like, although he's probably very involved with big fighters, obviously in their fights mm-hmm. and what's coming up, it seems like he's not the first one. Trying to get Whaley and Rose together. Right. There's clearly other matchmakers trying to get this hashed away, because he didn't seem to have a too much detail. It was relatively vague outside of the point of her just saying she doesn't want to fight. Because he's like, I'm hearing this. Yeah. But he hasn't spoke to her. It seems. Right. Um, I think it's just kind of a lot of jambled things here. Maybe some miscommunication by some people, or just. One thing was said, and it got twisted the other way, kind of like we saw with the Robert Whitaker stuff that mm-hmm. happened a few weeks ago. Um, I would like to think Rose and Whaley gets made. I would be shocked if, for whatever reason, they do stray away and go to Carla. Uh, I'm not saying Carla is not deserving. It's nice seeing her have kind of a career resurgence right now. Mm-hmm. But Rose Whaley is the fight to make, and I think they need to do whatever they can to make that fight. Yeah. So I just think whatever things need cleared up according to pat barry and on the ufc side just again pat said call him up let's make that phone call because <laughs> yeah, we need I, to see that fight yeah i completely agree it's um I, i'm really perplexed on how to feel here because there is that evidence in what rose's comments in the past and it, it would make sense mm-hmm. 
if she really just didn't want that right now, maybe she just kind of was like, I just want to take fights when I want to take them and just make, you know, get a payday, you know, and then kind of move on. Maybe not really looking too hard at that title picture anymore because she doesn't feel like she's going to be even active enough. I could totally see that. Yeah. And, I, and that's under it. That's fine. It's almost refreshing if someone would be that truthful about their intentions mm-hmm. in fighting and that way you could just okay we'll just stop talking about you as a title and it really shows like kind of that mental aspect of the fight game that these fighters go through yeah and she's definitely had her bouts with it i mean it's it really you you can lead it all back to the first joanna fight when you had the stare down and joanna's like all up in her face and she's like saying the lord's prayer or Mm -hmm. something like that under her breath and she looked terrified yeah everybody including me thought Joanna was going to literally starch her yeah Rose struggled real bad mentally with the uh the Conor McGregor bus incident hit her really hard and then she Uh, went but the problem the thing is that's crazy is you see all this and you go well that can't be good because she has a fight tomorrow or something or next day whatever then she goes in and looks phenomenal yeah she knocked out Joanna yep and then the bus incident happens and she goes in and rematches her goes all five rounds and bests her in five rounds Yeah. yeah so I, you know, maybe she's just able to kind of ease those emotions when she gets into the octagon. You know, I, when you see Rose out there just flowing, she's really world class, and yeah. she's so young still, and right. so much potential for her. And it, again, for some fighters, it is more mental than physical because she has all of the physical abilities, all the talent. So I guess that's the so. question: is really where her head is at. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want to be too speculative on her end because her fiance just said it's not true, right? So, but and that like, what would be the purpose of saying it's not true if that is? If it is, the, yeah. Because ultimately, if the offer comes, you're gonna have to accept or decline it, and then you'll have egg on your face if you're like, if you have to admit to it. Later, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um. So I, I think there just is some miscommunication here. I'm hoping that's the case, and obviously the fight hasn't been booked yet, so. Either way, anyways, like, you know, Carla's not officially getting a title shot. Dana didn't right. say Carla's officially getting a shot. Um, it was very poignantly worded, though, to where it's like, huh, like, you don't know if she's interested? Mm-hmm. Which I know that he doesn't really handle the negotiation side of a lot of these fighters anymore. He's got people to do that. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, look at in these big, high-profile examples. Masvidal, he didn't talk to Masvidal yeah. through that. You know, so, like... Maybe he did. Maybe that's something that was told to him by people that are negotiating that fight with Rose. Maybe there's a money thing going on there. That's a, a lot of people threw that out. That maybe she wanted more money for the fight. And still don't understand how that works, by the way, because people do sign contracts for a set amount of money. Right. So I don't know if it's like the pay per view side or whatever, you know, because people. And then obviously some of their bigger fighters probably just do a bunch of one fight contracts to negotiate more money. Yeah, and I all just, that. I, I'm always curious how a lot of that negotiation works. I'd love to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, I just, I, I, I'd like to know more about that. But hopefully Rose and Whaley gets made. Yes, exactly. If for whatever reason Rose doesn't get in this fight, though, I will say that Carla would be. Yes, yeah, she is next up. Uh, does that fight it shocked exc- me? Does that fight excite me as much? No, no. But especially because I just don't think Carla's chances are very good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, she's done her work to get back into position, and I do enjoy that she's had that resurgence. Yep. I just don't. I don't think she needs to be in a title fight right now. 
But I guess we'll just kind of leave that there. Yeah. Probably more to come. Like you said, this is the calm before the storm. Yeah. And that is the end of the news. The news. It's time to break down some fights. We got seven of them. It's a six-fight main card. Yep. So I think that's contrary to what we might have said prior. Yeah. And that's because they surprisingly, I might add, I get it, you don't want to put seven fights on a main card, but they surprisingly put Anthony Pettis and Alex Morano to headline the prelims. Anthony Pettis on the prelims of a fight night. That shows you how stacked this fight night is. Yeah, I almost wonder if they may have made this change too because of the Bilal Muhammad fight fell off. Because they had 15 fights. Right. Now they're down to 14, so they're just doing 8 and 6 or something. But either way, the fact that we even get to see Anthony Pettis again is awesome. Yeah. And just to be clear, the rest of the fights were breaking down. So Anthony Pettis, Alex Morano, that's your prelim headliner at welterweight. Then we open our main card at heavyweight, Marcin Tibura, Greg Hardy, women's flyweight, Jillian Robertson, Taylor Santos. That's a fun fight. Mm-hmm. Bantamweight, Marlon Moraes, Rob Font. That's a fun That's fight. an important fight. Welterweight, Michelle Pereira, Chaos Williams. That's chaos. That's a fun fight. <laughs> Bantamweight, Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera. That's a fun Old fight. Old versus the new. And at main event, welterweight, Stephen Thompson, Jeff Neal. A lot that's, of stuff riding on that. That's a fun fight. Yes. I, this, I don't know if you noticed I said that after yeah, everyone. Uh, they are fun. Yeah. These are fun. But we start with Anthony Pettis, Alex Morano, Dominic. You know what to do. This is the bonus fight, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Anthony Pettis, Alex Morano. 170 pounds, I believe, is this this fight is yep. happening at. Yep. Uh, Anthony is 23 and 10 with 11 KOTKOs, seven submissions. He's 10 and 9 in the UFC. He's got wins over Benson Henderson two times, once in um, I'm blanking WBC. WC. Thank you. Uh, was by unanimous decision. That's when he landed the <clears throat> Showtime kick off mm-hmm. the cage, and then in the second time in the UFC to win the belt, he submitted Benson. He's also beaten Jeremy Stevens via split decision. Joe Lozon via KO. He's beaten Cowboy Cerrone twice, once via KO, once via very close unanimous decision. Um, he's beaten Gilbert Melendez via submission. Charles Oliveira via submission. Jim Miller via unanimous decision. Michael Chiesa via submission. That was a very impressive win, impressive win especially as of late yeah. for Pettis. Um, he KO'd Wonderboy with a one-punch Superman off the cage. That shit was wild. I was in the car watching when that happened and was utterly speechless. In I, the remember, I remember being at my the house I was living at at that time. I was watching it in my kitchen <laughs> on my phone, and I literally just... Oh, it was wild. Yeah. Uh, and then notable losses. He's lost to Clay, Clay Guida. That was his UFC debut. That was a unanimous decision. Lost to RDA via unanimous decision. Eddie Alvarez in a razor-thin split decision. Lost to Edson Barboza. Via unanimous decision, got TKO'd by Max Holloway. Uh, that was for the interim title, right? Yep, yep. UFC 206. Uh, got submitted by Dustin when he had this weird rib injury when mm-hmm. he was on bottom position. Got TKO'd via doctor stoppage by Tony Ferguson. No surprise there. Uh, lost the decision to Nate Diaz. And then his most recent loss was to Diego Fajera via unanimous decision. One of the most underrated guys in that it was, lightweight it was division. Submission. Diego? Yeah. Oh, it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. Diego Ferreira wins that one. Uh, Anthony has 12 first-round finishes. On the other end, a lot less to say. Alex Morano is 18-6 and six with one no contest. 
five KO TKOs, six submissions. He's seven and three with one no contest in the UFC. He's got notable wins over Max Griffin via unanimous decision. Also went over uh, Reese Rice Rice yeah. McKee. That's honestly not a huge notable name. However, it's worth noting because he just came off of a fight with Hamza, and I figured he's a big prospect. We'll show him a little bit of respect here. Sure. Also because Alex doesn't have many more notable wins, in my opinion. He did get KO'd by Mr. Chaos Williams. What was that, about 20 27 seconds? seconds. Yeah, so uh, that didn't last very long there. Alex does have 10 of his 11 finishes in the first round. Interesting matchup here, I must say. I will say he also has wins over Kyle Noak uh, by split decision and Josh Berkman by a submission. Josh Berkman, kind of a kind of an old head of the game. Um, those were a little bit earlier. Yeah, Morano's been around for a while. Yeah, uh, and he also has a no contest against Nico Price. That was the no contest. Yeah, that was originally a KO win for Price overturned because he tested positive for marijuana. Which a recurring theme. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, this fight's interesting because um, it's not what I expected for Anthony Pettis' next fight. Yeah. I never really thought I would see Alex Morano and Anthony Pettis. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying that it was unexpected. Mm -hmm. And in this placement, you can tell, though, it's making more sense when I watch these interviews as of late with Anthony Pettis. I get the sense of a guy who is super motivated, who maybe sees that, maybe some of that head fog he's kind of had. He's sober now. It's like the head fog he's kind of had where it's like maybe he hasn't always been all in in Mm -hmm. his fights and stuff. Um, I I get a sense that he's got this newfound like motivation, so I think he just wanted to get back in there, and it was kind of a like decision. He's just like I want to be in there now, right? And they're like, well, we got this Alex Morano guy, so um, I think that's kind of maybe why we're seeing this matchup here for Anthony. And truthfully, Morano's good. Don't get me wrong, and. I don't think that this matchup is, like, one-sided by any means. Mm-hmm. But Anthony Pettis should have the advantage pretty much everywhere. You would think. And the only question for me would have been the motivation for Pettis and what the mental side of it, as you've mentioned and with the Rose Namajunas news. And he seems to be in the best place he's ever been in mentally, maybe even better than when he was the champion. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to be holding the belt here soon. I'm just saying that that goes a long way. Because he has all the athletic ability in the world, all the right. talent in the world, it's always it always came off to me like there just was something missing, and maybe that motivation. You know, mm-hmm. he had reached the top at such a young age. He was on the Wheaties box, all that, and then he loses his belt very one sided fashion against RDA, and then he had a three fight skid in total, and lost four or five. Right, and you know it's it's been a been a kind of five hundred career since then for him. I think he has a big bounce back here. He needs it. And Murano, to his, you know, the thing about Murano is is he's lost six times in his career professionally. Only two of them by knockout, but in brutally being knocked out. Chaos Williams in 27 seconds, and then you got the one, Nico Price, that later got overturned. That was... um, Actually, that might have been... Oh, it was at the very end of the second round. In their matchup, so that kind of puts me in a predicament here. He's also been TKO'd by Zach Otto. That's another name that 
that could have been mentioned. That's three and a half minutes in the first round. Um, so he's not, you know, he's not above being finished by strikes. And that's kind of the way I'm leaning here. I think mm-hmm. Anthony Pettis is going to come back in a big way here. Um, it's been a while, you know, Stephen Thompson, that big highlight reel knockout win. That was his first knockout win. That happened in March of 2019. That was his first knockout win since, if you want to count the TKO body kick over Cowboy Cerrone, that happened in 2013. Six years without a finish. Without a knockout finish. Oh, okay. Um, he had a few submissions in there. I think he's going to get – I'm going to go with the second round TKO KO. Really? I think it's a big bounce back for him. Uh, I think we're going to see him relatively – I don't want to say non-exciting fight, but it's not going to be... A subdued. Yeah. Uh, um, it's not going to be anything too wild. I think Moreno or Morano is going to try and control that pace. I do think Pettis is going to be too much for him, and he's going to get the better of the exchanges. Could be interesting if this fight goes to the ground, but I don't see it going to the ground very much, if at all. But I actually have Pettis here by decision. I don't know if we see a finish here, um, but you never know. Like you said... Finishes happen. Uh, Murano's subject to getting finished. Pettis has been finished multiple times. It's definitely a really intriguing matchup that, like you said, we never really saw coming. Yeah. That's for sure. 100%. So we move on to the big boys. Correct? Yes, this is true. Go ahead. Marcin Tybura, who we have broken down before, versus Greg Hardy, who we also have broken down before. We're getting to the point in the podcast where we have talked about some people multiple times. Uh, this is, of course, at heavyweight. Marcin is 20 and 6, 7 KO TKOs, 6 submissions. He's 7 and 5 win the UFC with wins over Andre Arlovsky via decision, Stefan Struve via decision, uh, Sergi Spivak via decision, and then most recently that big win over Ben Rothwell via unanimous decision. That was a very surprising but very great fight. He does have some losses to uh, Fabrizio Verdum, unanimous decision, got KO'd by Derek Lewis. I uh, got TKO'd by Shamil Abdurakahimov. I, think, I don't, close. It was close. Actually, you did a good job there. I don't, I don't think you pronounced the K. I think it's Abdurakahimov. Ah, uh, yes, that sounds correct. Got TKO'd there and then got knocked out by Augusto Sakai, another uh, up-and-coming prospect. Marcin is riding a three-fight win streak coming into this. Uh, on the other end, we've got Greg Hardy. He's back. He's 7-2 and two with one no contest. Six of his seven wins via KO, TKO. He's 6-2 and two with one no contest in the UFC, if you count two wins on the Contender Series. Uh, he's got wins over Jorgen DeCastro via unanimous decision. And then most recently, Maurice Green TKO'd him in, I believe, the second round after nearly finishing him in the first round. Um, and then his lone notable loss, I should say, was against Alexander Volkov on short notice. Lost via unanimous decision, but did surprise a lot of people, including both of us. Right. And five of his six KOT goes have been in the first round. This is a fight that makes a lot of sense for both guys. Kind of. More uh, so for Greg. I like seeing him get tested. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, it's like, what do you really do with Greg, right? Because he's probably getting paid more than he probably should be, let's yeah. be honest, just because of his background being... And they're pushing him... At a relatively slow pace, however, he did take the fight against Volkov on short notice. Right. But outside of that, it's been a pretty slow pace. Yeah. Which, again, I mean, is not a bad thing. Maurice Green is a guy who's been in there mm-hmm. with a few guys, so it, it may, that was a logical step. Um, I would think this was a more logical step if 
not for the fact that Tibera looked great in his last fight with yeah. Rothwell. He, yeah. That was a great fight. S- surprised, I think, both of us. Mm-hmm. That was my fight of the night. That was a great fight, yeah. On that Marais Sandhagen card. Never saw that coming. And he looked great there. And he's a guy who I've really never been all that impressed by, to be honest. Yeah. You know? He's had his moments. He's had his wins. He's been kind of that grinded out decision point fighter, and you know, in the heavyweight division, that doesn't really lead to a lot of excitement. Truth be told, um, it always seemed like his most exciting fights were the ones he lost. If I'm being honest, yeah. And I, I don't want to say that to disrespect him. I mean, overall, twenty and six, thirteen finishes and twenty wins. I mean, he's getting the job done. Um, but Greg Hardy here does have a big advantage if you want to go by the athleticism. Yeah, and just straight up one-shot power. Yeah, so he's got that crazy athletic ability. He's probably one of the most athletic guys all around in the entire UFC just because he's a former pro bowler yeah. in the NFL. Uh, that's definitely something. But technically, Tibera is going to have a huge advantage here. He's already a very technical guy for yeah. that heavyweight oh, yeah. division. So that's where this fight is interesting because I think, in my head, I truly don't see Hardy being able to get a win here unless it's the one shot. Oh, 100%. That's how I, that's how I imagine is his really only path to victory here. And it's been done before. I mean, he's got, you know, for Tibera, he's got those losses by TKO and KO, mm-hmm. you know, Sakai in a minute. So, among others, Derek Lewis and uh, Abdurrahimov. So it's he's he's been finished before. So even though he's a technical guy, he's not. You know, he he hasn't always avoided that. But on this run he's been on, it's probably the best we've seen him look. And I'm I'm willing to kind of ride that wave yep. here. I'm gonna go. Tibera via decision. I have the same exact prediction. I just think. Over a course of three rounds, it really favors him yeah. a lot, especially if he even gets out of the first round. Mm-hmm. And we have seen Greg Hardy get a little more technical, so he doesn't kind of go for that big one-shot craziness anymore. Yeah. But once he does land, that's when he's going to get a little crazy. <laughs> what's What's funny, though, is I feel like that would be to his benefit in this right. fight. Like, I really don't think he can – if he performs the way he did against Maurice Green, I really think it's going to be a tough mm-hmm. fight for him. Yeah. I and think, we, we know he gasses quickly. Yeah. So I, I was going to say that I think the first round could be dicey. I could see totally Greg Hardy dropping Tibera or hurting That's him. the decisive round for both guys. But I think from there on, I think you're going to see Tibera really put that weight on him, yeah. clinch him up, yep. keep him at range, whatever he wants to do. I think he's going to really dictate where the fight goes and also the pace of the fight. That's that kind of veteran, that veteran talent that doesn't always get noticed when you're watching. But I, I think he'll grind it out to a decision win here. Um, Hardy will, again, he'll sh- he'll showcase his strengths, that explosiveness, that athleticism. Well, we need but to I, see the rest of it. The cardio is yeah. just, uh, surprisingly, by the way, just not really there for him. Yeah. And until I see otherwise, I'm going to ride the, the hot hand here. And yeah. that Rothwell win was very impressive. Any other thoughts? Said you, said, you said via decision? I got decision for Tibura as well. Okay. So next fight up here is our women's flyweight fight. Yes, this is fun. Jillian Robertson, Taylor Santos, go ahead. Women's flyweight, Jillian's 9-4, and four, 1 KOTKO, 6 submissions. She's 6-2 and two in the UFC with wins over Hannah Cyphers. That was in the NLFC 7 back in 2017 via submission. 
She submitted Molly McCann and also submitted Courtney Casey. Notable losses, she's lost to Cynthia Calvillo at GKO8 in 2016 via unanimous decision, and then also got TKO'd by Macy Barber, a very young up-and-coming prospect. We all know that. Uh, Taylor, on the other hand, is 16-1. and 10 KO, uh, TKOs, two submissions. She's 2-1 and one in the UFC if you count a contender series victory. She also has a win over Molly McCann via unanimous decision. Her only loss was a split decision. Uh, that was in the UFC. It was against uh, Mara Romero Borella. And 11 of Taylor's 12 finishes have came in the first round. This is a very good fight. Jillian's ranked 12th, currently a flyweight. Taylor's looking to crack into the top 15. Love this matchup here. We've got a submission specialist versus someone that's got 10 KO TKOs. But as much as I want to go Jillian here and see her keep riding this wave that she's on right now, she's looked very good. Her grappling is very, very strong for this division. Taylor Santos is going to prove some problems here. I think she's going to be able to hold her own if the fight goes to the ground. Stand-up-wise, it's Taylor Santos all day here. I've got Taylor Santos taking a decision victory over Jillian Robertson in a fight that I do think will be very fun. What's what's so interesting about this matchup is it is that that mm. that fighter that's going to want to keep it standing versus someone who wants to take it to the ground. Yep, uh, that classic matchup, right? Uh, we've seen it from Jillian. We've seen her go in there. You know that Courtney Casey win via submission, and then Veronica Macedo. She's proven like she's shown it in the UFC. Like I'm going to take it to the ground if I can, yep. and try to finish you there. And when that hasn't worked for her, she doesn't tend to do too well you know the macy barber loss you know macy barber is not necessarily a knockout artist yeah as good as she is while for taylor in her ufc tenure i feel like look the win over molly mccann was good molly mccann another that was kind of how taylor even got a fight like this because mm-hmm. molly mccann is that girl that's been trying to break that top 15 she's a prospect someone who had a name to her mm-hmm. <laughs> so but for taylor her UFC tenure, we have not seen that finishing ability that she showed in the regionals. Right. It's been all decisions. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, that doesn't, just because you go to a decision doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not showing those those strengths, that mm-hmm. ability to finish fights on your feet. But <clears throat> I'm just, what I'm what I'm wondering here is, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm a believer in Taylor Santos. Before her last fight got canceled, I predicted her to win that one via stoppage. And yet, here I am kind of thinking this fight might go the opposite. I don't know. I'm wondering if I'm giving Taylor too much credit for these wins outside of the UFC. Yeah, and like when you see a record of 16-1, and one, you're like, oh, wow. The Molly McCann win was impressive. It was a good it was a good win for her. She looked good in that fight, a fight that most people didn't expect her to win. Before that, she did lose to Mara Barella. Yeah, I mean, only technically two fights yeah. in UFC and one in the Contender Series. And then you look at Jillian, who's had eight fights in the UFC yeah. against very good competition. That's why it's very interesting to see how this plays out. So I think I'm actually going to go Jillian Robertson. I didn't plan to, truthfully. Um, but the more I kind of look at this... It's all to me. I'm looking at what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Robertson does have quite a bit of, uh, if you want to go by um, experience over right. Santos, which is funny because 
Robertson's only got 13 professional fights. Santos yep. has got 17. Yeah. Yeah. The experience advantage to me goes to Robertson. Due you got to look at the high level, yeah. the high level of competition. I'm not saying that Santos has just been beating up cans on the regionals, but until I see her able to put it together in the UFC, that's kind of my thought process right mm-hmm. now. And I'm saying that even with the win over uh, Molly McCann. I, she might. I think she might get a little too gun shy in this in this fight because she's going to be too nervous, too worried about Jillian shooting for that takedown. Mm-hmm. Um, what's weird is I don't know how often I see this fight going to the ground either, and I sure surely do not think that Robertson's going to win this fight on the feet. Right. But I really don't know how it's going to go. Like it's hard for me to picture how it's going to go. I just see Robertson winning via decision. Decision. It's very hard for me. I, I imagine she'll have to get it to the ground. It's just it's hard for me to really picture it. Robertson's that girl that you really want to see take that next step, so it would be a huge win for her. And really the opposite here, Taylor's relatively new to the UFC, but now she's getting a big test. Mm-hmm. And if she can pass with flying colors in a division that's always up for grabs right now, this women's flyweight division, you know, a couple of fights strung together, and you're right up there fighting Valentina next, you know? Especially if you can win convincingly. This is an important fight. Don't let the... Number twelve versus unranked fool you. This I'm, plays I'm gonna a big be factor paying in this extra division. close attention to this one because yeah. I really want to see what Santos brings here. Yeah, yeah. Next fight. Oh, oh boy, this fight night is now. Nuts. Now we're into murky yeah. waters. Yeah. <laughs> Bantamweight Marlon Rice, Rob Font, Marlon Rice, a vet of the podcast. Yes, this is true. His last fight was a headliner, and not he long ago, Fight yeah. Island. And look at him, and now he's fourth, and that's not a, a slight on him. That's just the quality of the card here. Oh, yeah. So uh, go ahead and tell the people why this fight's going to be awesome. <clears throat> this has uh, very big implications for the men's bantamweight division. Marlon is 23-7, and 7, 10 KOTKOs, 6 submissions. He's 5-3 and three in the UFC. Um, wins over John Dodson via split decision. Knocked out Aljamain Sterling with a nasty knee to the face. It was disgusting. Then KO'd our boy Jimmy Rivera. Then submitted Rafael Sunsal with a nasty guillotine. And then beat Jose Aldo via split decision. Very close fight. We both agree that we thought Jose won, along with many others. But regardless, it's a win. Notable losses also to Rafael Sunsal, so they're split one and one. Need to see that rematch sometime in the future. That was via split decision. Got TKO'd by Henry Cejudo in their title fight. And then most recently, the fight with Corey Sanhagen got TKO'd via spinning wheel kick. That shit came out of nowhere. Yeah, it did. Uh, he's got seven. For, or, I'm sorry, that was Rob. He has 13 of his 16 finishes in the first round. To Rob Font, he's 17 and four. Seven KO TKOs, <laughs> four submissions. Seven and three in the UFC. A very slept on guy here, not a big name. This is his biggest fight of his career. He's got wins over Thomas Almeida via TKO. Got a unanimous decision over Sergio Pettis. And a unanimous decision win over Ricky Simone. Uh, I love watching Ricky Simone fight. What a character. (laughs) Notable losses to John Lineker via unanimous decision. Got submitted by Pedro Munoz. And then also has lost to Rafael Asuncao. That was via unanimous decision. Rob Font has seven of his 11 finishes in the first round. That's interesting. I didn't know that. This is the hardest fight for me to pick. So, I agree. 
Yeah, it is the hardest fight for me to per- predict, but let's let's walk through this together, right? Take me down the, the stroll. There is not a better first round fighter in the UFC than Marlon Moraes. That's, that's a good point. I don't know if he's ever lost the first round. Maybe the Sanhagen fight. I don't really. That remember. first round was awesome. Yeah, I don't remember how. I don't know how it was, it was tight. Split. It was tight. But you look at like that Cejudo fight. He was pretty. He was beating up Cejudo with man. those leg kicks yeah. in the first round. And you look at, I mean, a lot of his fights he's finished in the first round. But is there a better first round, one round fighter in the UFC? No. But the drop off after is 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 significant. It's significant, and it hasn't shown much improvement. And that's always my concern, and that's been a growing concern for me since you know August when I predicted him to be the champion mm-hmm. this time next year. Rob Font, while his resume. Is a little more low key, you know. When this matchup was first announced, I said, "Okay, it's a bounce back opportunity for Marais." But great fighter, he's really good. He's very underrated. We haven't seen him in about a year, mm-hmm. so that's the question. You know, what kind of, <clears throat> you know, when you have that year layoff, is that will that be to his benefit? You know, he had two big wins before he went. Before we haven't seen him, you know, he had the Sergio Pettis win, Ricky Simone, but this is a big step up from those two. Before that. You know, his biggest test in the UFC, he's lost. If you look at his the people he's fought in the UFC, in my opinion, based on when he fought them, the three best fighters he's fought is Asuncao, Munoz, yep. and Lineker. Yep. And he's lost all three of those. Yep. And this matchup, this guy's, if you look at where they're at, you know, Marais is probably better than all three of them at that point in their career. <sighs> Man, am I about to talk myself into Marais here? I don't know. I've Truth, got truthfully, Marais. I was gonna go Rob Font when we really, yeah, surprisingly. You're a big Mar- uh, Magic man. I am a big Marlon Marais fan. What worried me was I haven't been, you know, Font's ability to go more than one round is much higher. Mm-hmm. So if this fight goes out of the first round, it just concerns me. And Font. Only has one loss via finish, and it was Munoz via submission, no less. Rest of his losses being decision. Mm-hmm. I know Marais has some crazy power. Can Font survive the storm? That's the question. Well, uh, based off what you just told me, Font himself is a hell of a first-round fighter. Yeah. So, I think you're going to see kind of like the standing. I think this first round might be pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go Rob Font, and I'm going to go via third-round TKO. Wow. I think Font's going to wear him down. I think that's, unfortunately, until Marais shows me otherwise, I think that's kind of my takeaway from this episode. You guys are going to notice a lot of my predictions here are kind of based off Cardio. what I've seen. Well, yeah, but what I've oh. seen, you know, sure, can you, you know, like in this main event, like could you, you know, Thompson's the more established guy. Yeah, you Jeff definitely Neal, have to you, take into account how they've done recently what the you know like obviously you can project how they might do but the eye test is big for me on this card that's that's what you're gonna notice so here i'm gonna go font and i'm gonna go third round tko the biggest one of his career so i've got it flipped i've got marais second round ko tko now i think the first round is going to be great but i think we're going to see Marais get the better of the exchanges and therefore build his confidence going into that second round, lead him into being a little bit more, not reckless, but a little bit more aggressive in that second round to find the the right shot and inevitably get the finish in the mm-hmm. second round. Now, 
if Font can weather the storm and take it all the way to round three, I, w- I would definitely say round three is heavily favored for Rob Font. Round two is going to be that toss-up round. Just like we saw with Sanhagen, Marais looked still good in round two, but Sanhagen, out of nowhere, boom, kick, and was winning that round, in my opinion, up until the kick happened. Second round is going to be the determining factor, in, in my opinion. I will say, the Aldo fight, I didn't really feel like Marais slowed down right. that much. Right, right. But I don't think, and but I I would also, and what's funny is Aldo I feel like was pressuring him quite a bit too, and that would normally tire someone. Hmm. You gonna do a late switch? No, I'll, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. But it's uh, it it's an inter, you know, this is a quick turnaround for Marais, so mm-hmm. uh, we'll see how much he's recovered from that uh, loss to Sanhagen. Fonts out a year. Yeah, he did take this on a very short notice, coming off of being finished. That is a. Definitely a red flag. Mm. So we'll move on, I guess. Any other final thoughts on that fight? No, but this next one, I don't know how to feel. I'll tell you that much. Michelle Pereira versus Chaos Williams. And yeah, I think his first name's a good indicator of this fight. That's exactly how this fight will be. It will be chaos. It will be beautiful chaos, Noah. Are you predicting it to be fight of the night? Well, based off of my prediction, I am not, but you'll hear that in a second. Okay, go ahead. Chaos is 11-1 and one with six KOTKOs, one submission. He's 2-0 and oh in the UFC. Wins over Alex Morano, who we already mentioned. That was a 27-second KO. Then KO'd Abdul Al-Hassan. That was the first time he had ever been finished. That was in 30 seconds. Chaos Williams has two fights in the UFC for combined time in the octagon of 57 seconds. Mm-hmm. In and out, get your money and leave. Very badass suits, by the way, that Chaos Williams <laughs> reps uh, coming into the arena. Six of his seven finishes have been in the first round. On the other end, Michelle Pereira. 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 Yeah, there it is. I didn't want to try and roll the R's again. It was a mess last episode. (laughs) He's 24 and 11 with two no contests, 10 KOTKO, seven submissions. He's 2 and 2 in the UFC. The loss to Diego. Diego. Diego Sanchez, however, was due to an illegal knee. Before that, Michelle was absolutely tearing him to pieces in that fight. And 12 of his 17 wins have come in the first round. I also want to point out, Dana White mentioned in his very popular If You Don't Know Now You Know segment this week, they had Michelle paired up with the top 15 opponent for February, and he turned it down because he wanted to fight before the end of the year. And now he's got to fight Chaos Williams. This, this is going to be the wildest first round ever, if it doesn't end in like 10 seconds. Right. But i got to ride the wave. I'm going Chaos Williams. I'm going KOTKO. I'm going first, first round. round. Go ahead. I need, a, I, I need to just relax. So here's, here's my thing here. I'm loving Chaos Williams right now. I'm loving everything. That whole dude's vibe, I'm just like, I'm into it. I like his style. His ability to get get in there and get out. Mm-hmm. He's very well-spoken. He's staying active. I like that. We've only seen 57 seconds worth of yeah. octagon time for him. What has that told us? He hits hard. He's got knockout power. <laughs> He's got one-punch power. Yeah, that's what it told us. Yeah. That's about it. And I'm not saying that... <laughs> Look, he's fought before the UFC, but I'm not going to sit here and bullshit you guys and pretend like I've seen him fight prior. Mm. You know, it's just not true. Michelle's last performance was masterful. 
It was against Zalim. Uh, oh, I forget how to pronounce it. I forget how to say his last name. Amadaya. Amadaya. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, so that was a very good performance, one where he did get the finish, but it was in the third round. He pretty much just pieced him up yeah. until he saw an opportunity. Even brought out some Stockton A slash. more subdued performance, yet still wild. Yeah, not too many cartwheels it was, in this one. Yeah, it was, it was wild, but it was like... Controlled. It was controlled. Yeah. You know, the slaps. Like, he was still yeah. holding his stance and everything, you know. But, he, yeah, he wasn't pulling out a lot of that just absolutely batshit crazy yeah, If you stuff. don't know, Michelle Pereira has um, done, like, a standing full tuck in a UFC fight <laughs> yes. onto his opponent's chest. Yes. It was pretty crazy. So, needless to say, this fight is very exciting. Okay. And we've seen, you know, those performances like the one against Zaleem for, um, for Pereira. Yet, we going into that fight, we felt like it was a mismatch. Yeah. And it proved to be so. I get nervous about any guy who's got, you know... Such he, a wild style. Yeah, but it's like... When, look at his record, truthful, truthfully. 24 and 11. Yeah. And those 11 losses, like... Most of those weren't in the UFC. He's right. only been in the UFC for four fights. Yeah, yeah. It's went two and two. Should be three and one. Well, one of those, but, yeah. One of those yeah. an asterisk. He was dominating Diego Sanchez, but he did lose to Tristan Connolly, unanimous decision. I get a little nervous about that because I, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of like how I really bought in the Johnny Walker, mm-hmm. even though he had, you know, a few losses before the UFC. And. It kind of showed that, like, okay, he's not. Once he did lose to Corey Anderson, and after that, uh, Nikita Krylov, I believe, it showed okay. So that's why, like, he isn't, you know, right. He's not necessarily the next John Jones, yeah. you know, but yeah. he he does, he can be finished. He can have those lackluster performances, and that's why, like, this fight on paper seems like it can't go out of the first round. But I'm like wondering, will it though? Yeah, because also. Tough. Pereira only has one loss via knockout in his career. And I'm going to tell you that that happened against a Mr. Another veteran of our podcast, Dusko Todorovic. Really? At Serbian Battle Championship 19 in 2018. Wow. That was his one time being finished via strikes, and based off what we saw from Dusko, it makes sense. Yeah. So I'm kind of talking myself into circles here. Basically, I've seen more. This is hard. This kind of goes against what I was just telling you guys. I've seen more from Pereira. But that 57 seconds speaks a lot. Yeah. I'm going to go second round KO, TKO for Chaos Williams. I, I think he's able to finish him. and that's. I think he's going to be the more technical striker here. I, I think he's going to be able to just find like that one shot that's going to drop Michelle, and he's just going to go in to, to yeah. finish the I fight. truly don't know how it's going to go, but I can't imagine a decision. Yeah. So not your fight of the night either? Nope. Fair enough. So we move on to the co-main event of the evening. This is my, is my fight, fight of, of the, the night. night. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm actually, that's funny you picked that. I thought that was, when I picked that to be mine, I was like, oh, there's no way. Yeah. Gonna pick yeah. Um, so it's Jose Aldo, Marlon Vera. Marlon Cheeto. Yes. Vera. Men's Bantamweight, another very important fight in this division. Jose Aldo, get your popcorn. This is going to take a little while. 28 wins, 7 losses, 17 KOTKOs, 1 submission. He's 10-6 and six in the UFC 
Don't let that record fool you. This man is one of the greatest to ever do it. He's got wins over Cub Swanson back at WEC 41 in 2009 via TKO. Beat up Uriah uh, Faber back in WEC via unanimous decision. Tore his leg to shreds. There are pictures of Uriah's leg after that fight, and it was like purple. Whole yeah. leg. Yeah. Disgusting. Uh, beat Ken Flo, Kenny Florian via unanimous decision. Has beaten Chad Money Mendez two times. Once via knockout, once via unanimous decision. Has beaten Frankie Edgar two times. Both of those via unanimous decision. TKO'd the Korean Zombie. Unanimous decision win over Ricardo Lamas. TKO'd Jeremy Stevens with a beautiful hook to the body. Oh, hurts me to think about mm-hmm. it. And then TKO'd Hinato Moicano, who we talked about last week. Notable losses... The Notorious, Conor McGregor, via 13-second left hook KO, one of the craziest, most unexpected, greatest knockouts the UFC has ever seen. Lost to Max Holloway twice, uh, both via TKO. Lost to Volkanovski, the current champion, via unanimous decision, or the current featherweight champion, I should say. And then lost that very razor-thin split decision, most would say controversial, to Marlon Marais, and then got TKO'd brutally. After putting up a good fight in the early rounds against Pewter Jan, uh, that was for the vacant Bantamweight title. That was yep. via TK. Coming off back-to-back losses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Title fight off back-to-back losses. Good point there. Jose Aldo was unbeaten from May 20th, 2006. Mm-hmm. I had just turned eight years old. I'm assuming I was already eight. Yes, this is true. Until October 25th of 2014. That's a, it's over eight years. Unbeaten. Untouched. Unstoppable. I feel stupid. I almost said six years. <laughs> he was the greatest fighter in the world Yeah. at that time. And uh, 12 of his 18 wins have came in round number one. But he's got a tough-ass opponent here in Marlon Chito Vera. Chito is 16-6 and six with one draw. Six KOTKOs, eight submissions. That's 14 out of 16 via finish. He's 10-5 and five in the UFC. Wins over Brad Pickett via TKO. Brian Kelleher via submission. And just recently stopped the Sugar Show via first-round TKO. Notable losses to John Lineker via unanimous decision. And Song Yadong via very close unanimous decision that most thought Cheeto won. Had Marlon Vera won that fight, he would be on a seven-fight win streak right now. However, that fight didn't happen at Bantamweight. It was a last-minute featherweight fight. So Marlon Vera is on a six-fight win streak in the Bantamweight division. Mm-hmm. And technically has won six of his last seven. Again, should be seven out of seven. We won't get into it. This is fight of the night. My this prediction. is incredible. Yeah. Incredible fight here. Incredible co-main event. I'm very happy to see Marlon get this opportunity yeah. because we need Aid to <clears throat> we need to stop with this this uh, what do you want to call it this this idea that his win over Sean was O'Malley a fluke. was a fluke. No, not at all. He he broke it in his leg. <clears throat> he did that with yeah. his kicks. Yeah. So we need to stop that. That was a very impressive win. Nobody thought he was going to win that fight. Yeah, he went in there me. and won it very easily. I might add. Still believe in Sean O'Malley. I'm just saying that Cheeto looked good the whole round. Yeah, and then like was winning the fight. Look, he could have just rode it out, and instead he got him to the ground and throwing those crazy elbows. Yeah, shot KO'd him kind of at one point. Mm -hmm. 
Here's a stat for you, Dom. You mentioned Aldo's undefeated streak. Starting with the McGregor fight, he yeah. is three and six in the yeah. UFC. Yeah, Connor took his soul <laughs> well, a little bit. Okay, I won't go that far because he has been fighting really. Oh yeah, there's a lot of title fights in here. This man doesn't of, take any easy fights. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his losses on that run, you got McGregor, Max Holloway twice, Volkanovski, Marais, Peter Gaon. There's only one of those guys that's not a champion, and he also fought for a belt. I will say the one alarming part of kind of those losses, four of them are via finish. Mm-hmm. And brutal finishes, too. Yeah, it's been hard for me, I will say, on the other end. Yeah. To shake off, you know, I remember watching Marlon Barra on these fight nights where he was opening the card against guys like Brad Pickett. Been in the UFC for years. Yeah. And so it's been hard for me to kind of shake that um, journeyman, I guess, image I've had of him or I don't know how to describe it like I didn't realize the win streak he had been on really like before the Yadong fight like I thought he was he was just kind of a guy I, I recognized but I kind of would have looked at him like a 500 guy but mm-hmm. outside of those back-to-back losses to Lineker and Douglas Silva de Andrade like he's really had a very clean run here I thought he beat Song Yadong who yep, by the way is a young phenom himself yes, yes. and that not enough people talk about his performance there. Um, this is a big step up. It's oh. a big step up going. I it's, mean, look, it's the biggest test. Sean O'Malley could potentially be a future champion. Song Yudong could be potentially a future champion. But Jose Aldo has been there and done that yes. with the best of them, and that's why this fight's so interesting. I mean, Vera's never been finished. Six losses, all by decision. Jose. Like you said, has been finished. Here's if you want to break down the technical side here. Jose likes to bring some pressure. Mm-hmm. Anytime you've seen him moving backwards in a fight, it's not going well for him. Right. Marlon Vera also likes to bring some pressure. It's a more measured pressure. Mm-hmm. Aldo kind of he can get a little wild. Oh yeah. Vera, however, is very meticulous about how he pressures fighters. And what's funny is he pressures people with leg kicks. And he's going up against maybe the best leg kicker of all time. So I'm not sure if he wants to get into a war there. He's going to be the bigger guy here, surprisingly, considering Aldo did so much of his work at featherweight. featherweight. Um, And Vera hasn't really made too much of a splash of featherweight. He's mostly stuck to bantamweight. Um, but Vera's going to be the bigger guy. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I'm kind of just talking myself through this here. This is tough. Ultimately, I think it's an incredible fight. What I see happening here is I, I think Aldo's going to win. Same. And I think it's going to be via decision. Same. I think it's going to be a war. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think Aldo's going to look very strong early, and as the fight goes on, um, Cheeto is gonna come, his come back strong. Um, too little, too late though. A little, too little, too late. Uh, some people might raise the question: Oh, what if it was five rounds? And that would be a warranted question. So, while it'll be a tough loss for v- for Cheeto considering the run he's been on, I think that there will be enough people asking questions where they're still gonna want to see him in another high profile match. Oh yeah, matchup. for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. I think you're going to see a lot of shifts in momentum. Uh, but I just think Aldo's going to be able to just edge it out. 
Maybe even a split decision. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe people will think Vita, or I keep saying Vita. Vita. <laughs> I, there might even be people that think Cheeto won. Who knows? But it, it should be a great fight. It's it's the fight I'm most excited to watch probably yeah. on this card. Yeah. I'm so excited for it. Don't sleep on Cheeto. No, not at all. I'm he, still he's I'm, paid his as dues. much as I like him. I'm still trying to shake off that. If he wins this, like he's hey, he's shaking real. it off. Yeah, he's on like, his way. Like I no longer will. Like it's so hard for me just to not see him as like that journeyman, five hundred fighter type. Still very young too. TV fighter type, and now he. I mean, yes, he's still on TV, but he's co-maining this fight night, and it could legitimately be the main event if it wanted to be. Twenty-eight years old. Yeah. And Aldo's only thirty-two. Yeah, it's crazy. Aldo, uh, that's wild. But I guess so. Uh, did you want to elaborate more on what you were? Um, I, I you really said Aldo via decision. Yeah, I, I just think the veteran expertise. Although they're both veterans, Aldo's Aldo Aldo. He's been in there with them all. He's still got plenty of it left in him. Like I said in the early rounds against Peter Jan, he was hanging tit for tat. That was an incredible first three rounds. And I think, you know, this is a three-round fight. I think he's just going to do what he has to do and edge it out. But I think, again, fight of the night. Both are going to have their moments. Don't worry about that. But I could even see a split decision, a close two-to-one. It's going to be a very competitive, very fun co-main event. I almost want it to be fun and predict it to be a draw, but I won't do that. <laughs> we move on to the main event of the evening. Ooh. I had to look this up to make sure. It is a five-round main event. Yep. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Jeff, hands of steel, Neil. Big fight here at 170 pounds. Stephen Thompson is 15 and four with one draw, seven KOTKOs, one submission, 10 four and one in the UFC with wins over Bobby Knuckles himself, Robert Whitaker via TKO, Patrick Cote via unanimous decision, Jake Ellenberger with a spinning heel kick via KO, uh, TKO Johnny Hendricks got a decision win over Roy McDonald which earned him his title shot against Tyron Woodley. Uh, he has also beaten Jorge Masvidal via decision, and most recently, even though it was a year ago at this point, got a very good win over Vicente <clears throat> Luque via decision. He's got losses to Matt Brown in only his second UFC fight. That was via decision. He lost a majority decision to Tyron Woodley in their rematch. Uh, lost a very, very close fight with Darren Till. Razor thin there via decision and then uh, got KO'd by Anthony Pettis which we mentioned earlier really the lone time we've seen Steven get brutally beaten by that one shot outside of Woodley had his definitely had his moments in the title fights um, and then his draw was against Tyron Woodley in their very first title fight uh, five of his eight finishes have come in the first round blue corner Jeff Neal getting the biggest test of his career, rightfully so. He has earned it. 13-2, and 8 KOT KOs, 2 submissions. Perfect record in the UFC at 6-0 and if you count the Contender Series victory. He's got wins over Bilal Muhammad via unanimous decision, TKO'd Nico Price, and TKO'd Mike Platinum Perry. Has lost to Kevin Holland, and we mentioned this last week, mm-hmm. back at XKO34, in 2017, that was via TKO. Um, he has six of his ten finishes in the first round. This is this is going to be a war for sure, but a more 
piece by piece. Okay, uh, so battle. Let's start with the my my concern for Wonder Boy here is the fact that even though he's only been really KO'd once, and that was to Anthony Pettis. He was really hurt in that mm-hmm. first Woodley fight. That's probably the reason he lost that fight. Yeah, because yep. it was probably a ten-eight. That's why it was a draw. And then the Darren Till fight at the very end. However, he is the much better striker here. If you want to go by technique, Jeff one Neal, of the one of the best karate fighters we've ever. He's seen. one of the best strikers in general. Yep. If you talk about technique, um, his striking is on another level. Yeah, Jeff Neal has a lot of power, and that's kind of why he has like why more he, your boxer. Yeah. But this is there's levels to this. Yeah. Jeff Jeff Neal's striking is not Stephen Thompson's striking. Right. But that's that's kind of the thing here is Jeff Neal does have that ability to uh, he hasn't necessarily, you know, in his UFC tenure anyways, you know, it's it's you know, he did knock out uh, Frank Camacho with a head kick back at UFC two twenty eight. That was nasty. Um However, it's a lot of TKOs, so it's not he's necessarily drop you and go in for. It's not match. necessarily a one punch KO power. You know, obviously he he's capable of it, but he he can finish a fight standing, obviously. And I think this fight's going to be basically just a stand up fight. Oh yeah! If this goes to the ground, I'd be surprised. I'd like to see the betting odds on that. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, how I see it right now, I think Stephen Thompson's just too good right now for Jeff Neal. I see this fight going up somewhat similar to what Thompson Luke was. Yeah. I think Neal will be a little bit smarter maybe than Luke was in that fight because you you learn from watching tape, whatever. Yeah, Luke got beat up. Yeah. I think Neal's gonna get beat up a little bit here, but I I think there there is the chance that he could drop Thompson. He mm-hmm. could finish Thompson. I mean it's very possible. But I think Steven Thompson's going to put on a hell of a show, a showcase, kind of like he did against Luke I think that dude still has so much left. He's one of my favorite fighters. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can sense the, if I'm possibly showing some bias here, I'm trying not to. I love Jeff Neal. I don't think that, I think this is maybe just a step too far. It's a little bit, it's like going too close to the sun kind it's, of thing. It's a big test. Um, I think he's still got a really bright future here in the, in the UFC. Um, I just think that this is just a step too far. Uh, with the style that's just so unique and hard to really deal with, like Wonder Boy, I'm gonna go with Stephen Thompson via. Mm, should I be fun with it? Mm. I think you're gonna have the same pick as me. Actually, Unless you get fun, I think I'm gonna go. Actually, I'll I'll go fun. I'll go Thompson via a fourth round TKO KO. I like it. I like it. I, I completely agree with you here. Wonder Boy is going to just be able to control that range. It's going to be a really big piece of that karate style of his. Um, just go, you know, piece him up. You know, mm-hmm. land those good shots. Jeff Neal's not going to have the answer. Thompson is a very hard puzzle to figure out on the feet. And I think he, it goes all five rounds. I think we see a very beautiful striking performance out of Wonder Boy. Jeff Steele will have his moments where he puts some pressure on, lands a couple shots. But overall, this is going to be all Wonder Boy, in my opinion. I'm going Stephen Thompson decision. Cool. I'm yeah. actually surprised you were. You must have changed your pick because you were very. <sighs> you were definitely uh, looking. At least the way we were talking before, you were kind of looking like you were leaning towards Neil at one point. Yeah, it's just man. You look at all these fights Wonder Boy's had and just how close. Like 
all of them are so razor thin. Even the losses. I mean, even the but Pettis when he, loss. When he wins, he looks so good. <laughs> the Pettis loss, he was do- I'm pretty much, yeah. I don't want to say dominating. He was Pettis, winning but the fight. He was winning the fight. Yep, I agree. And then he just gets hit with one shot and it was done. Yeah. A hell of a shot. And, yeah, I mean, he's really, you know, the Darren Till fight, you could argue. Razor thin. It was fight. really because he got dropped in that fifth. That's yeah. really what decided it. And, yeah, sure, there was some hometown advantage, I'm sure. But uh, it was a very close fight. Mm-hmm. The first Woodley fight, I mean, God, he was winning. Like, Could have been a champion. This is kind of the thing with him. It's like he just... Gets dropped late. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's getting, you know, that Woodley fight, I think it was like the third or fourth round, and mm-hmm. that was ended up being like a 10-8. What yeah. a hell of a fight that was. But, yeah, I just think, um, I just, you know, when you're talking about these guys that have dropped Thompson, I'm not quite sure that Neil is, like, equipped enough yet He's going to have to get in there and close that distance. He's yeah. got to get close, like phone booth boxing. Wonder Boy's going to try and keep that distance with the kicks. Mm-hmm. So if he can if he can get it in his range, Jeff Neal may just do it. Could, it. it could get fun. Yeah. Um, but that is it for our predictions, our preview for hashtag UFC Vegas 17. Um, it's an early card, correct? Yes, it is. So you can check out these prelims starting at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Main card starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We like those. And you can check all this out on ESPN+. Plus. So. Fantastic night of fights. What a way to end the year in 2020 for the UFC. One of the best fight nights they've ever uh, put on. And I have no doubt in my mind it will live up to that hype. Yeah, I can, I can, I can see my scale out of 1 to 10 already being pretty high <laughs> uh, come uh, Monday. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess this would be next week. Um, and then I'll even throw in a little bit about kind of January or really January as a whole. Yeah, there's a weird schedule coming up here. We're going multiple weeks without UFC fights. Yeah, so, so this will be our last UFC event until January 16th, which is almost a whole month. Max Holloway, Calvin Cater. So because of that, we're going to get a little unique mm-hmm. on our uh, release schedule here. But Monday, obviously, we'll recap these fights that happen on Saturday per usual, normal any news that comes out we'll talk about it wednesday december 23rd it's the 2020 year in review part two. Oh yes the award show the best award show in all mixed martial arts and we finally kind of hashed this out before the episode so we can uh, i won't give away all the categories again because i kind of talked about it before and we'll just in case we add anything um, but what it's going to be is it's it's the below average joe's Award. So yes. we're coming to a consensus on who is getting, who we think had the knockout of the year, or who was the fighter of the year, the fight of the year, things like that. And then we'll each give one, um, what's the word? One uh, honorable, honorable mention. mention. Yeah. I was blanking on it there. We'll each give one official honorable mention. And we could talk about anything else in that category that we want to give a shout to, but um, that's just the way we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So that'll be coming Wednesday, December 23rd. And then really after that, it's going to be Wednesday episodes. Yeah, for the next four Up until weeks. the preview for Holloway Cater, yeah. which would be coming the 15th. So from uh, December 23rd until... January 15th, which right. is a Friday, you're going to have three straight Wednesday, Wednesday episodes. episodes. So it'll just be one episode a week. Yeah. But big episodes ahead. Right, right. Um, should we tell them what we're doing? Give or? them a little sprinkle. Okay. 
Might as well. Yeah, right? might as well just Set that it's gonna be unique, but we we yeah. gotta get them ready. So these these uh we I kinda wanna think of a fun little name for this little streak of Wednesdays we're on here. This um special episode unload that we're doing here. Yeah, it's like a special episode marathon. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. So forget that bi weekly <laughs> stuff. December thirtieth, so a week from next Wednesday is uh we're doing this or that. Yes, we know. Another series. Yep. We get it. <laughs> yep, it's another series. <laughs> and here's how it's going to work. It's In this first episode, it's going to be a 2021 edition. Yes, this is fun. So, this or that is... Me and Dom are going to go back and forth where we'll say Dom will start. So, I will get Dom two different fights that are realistic and attainable in 2021. Right. And he has the choice of which fight he wants. Yes. Precisely. So if I say, I could say something like uh, Weili Zhang versus Rose Nami Yunus or Weili Zhang versus Carlos Barza, <laughs> and you're going to go Weili versus Rose. And then you're going to talk, and then you can talk about it and we'll talk about it. So it's just a way for us to kind of, it's kind of a way for us to really talk about these fights in 2021 that we're really excited. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the last thing that we're going to do in the year 2020, and we're getting ready for 2021. But I think it's a, I just really like the idea of this series. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think it's fun. Just It's another one, really, that can go multiple avenues. It makes us have to choose. It'll give you guys an idea of kind of how we feel about some of these big matchups that have been rumored and things like that. Um, So that'll be coming December 30th. Then Wednesday, December sixth, January sixth, or January sixth, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. First official episode of twenty twenty one is going to be a big news episode. We Look, hope <laughs> this one is subject to change. Yeah, this is this is TBA. But you have to think about it like this, people. We're going to go two weeks without any sort of news episode or yeah. any, any preview recap episode, so no news. Yeah. So even if there's old news. We want to give our two cents on it. I I have a hard time believing that by January 6th, we ain't going to be having some of these huge announcements that were... January should be all but booked yeah. by then. So hopefully that'll be a big news episode. Yeah. And if for whatever reason... There's no news. There's no news, then we'll end up with something different. We've yeah. already talked about it, but we won't give that away yet just in case. Then, one more Wednesday... January 13th, the last of this marathon yep, yep. of special episodes, is another series. Yes. <laughs> that Wait, which starting. one is it? I don't even remember. Well, it's one that we're starting. Oh, yes. Classic pay-per-view reviews. Yes. I mentioned this. You're big we, on this one. When we switched our name to the MMA podcast, I, I was plugging this one for whatever reason I was plugging it. Even though <laughs> this first episode of this series is going to be a UFC event. But... This is just an ability for us to essentially, we're just going to go back in time. We're going to hit on these big events across the MMA land. UFC cards, main cards, uh, Pride cards, WEC, Strike Force, they're all up in the air. We, mm-hmm. could, we could do any of them. We could do Bellator, mm-hmm. any of them. And really, it's just an opportunity for us to talk more about the history, yeah. about what went into this card, um, any little interesting stories and you know it's going to be cool when we watch some of these older cards and we see these guys that are big now that maybe back then were starting off the card yep. young prospects you know so it's going to be a lot of fun we're starting it off though I don't see any other way you can yeah, start it of off course. it's uh, UFC 1 so we're going back to 1993 oh yes in Colorado 
and uh, we're going to do a classic pay-per-view review. Of it should be one. interesting. Yeah, um, I'm going to be excited to just watch it. Yeah, and, yeah. And then obviously after that we'll kick back off Friday the 15th with Holloway versus Cater. What a way to welcome back fights. Yeah, so that is the schedule right now. Um, I'm sure we'll put something out on our Instagram and Twitter with a more mm-hmm. uh, you know graphic picture yeah. uh, showing that. But that's just so we can tell you guys now. So, buckle in. It's going to be a very interesting next few weeks without fights. But I think we got a lot of content for you guys yeah. to get excited about. For those of you that were missing the weekly special episodes, here you go. They're back for short. The week. next short month. Amount of time. Yeah, short amount of time. You get a whole month. Back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> Wednesday episodes. Then we get to start the year off fresh with Holloway Cater. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. But, Dominic. Tell the good people where they can find you on social media. On Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesely14. Find our podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which provides you the links to all the platforms that you can find our podcast on, along with the social media, so the Twitter, the Instagram, the Anchor page, the YouTube channel, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. They're all on there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So, again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we're going to see you all on...